Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. Sorry, I'm drinking my gamer juice. Yeah, started recording at just the right time. <laughs> Unofficially sponsored today by Ghost Gamer Juice. Helps bring yeah. you focus when you're writing. Anyways, as a reminder, <laughs> Act 2 is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter of which this podcast is just one of our many initiatives. So thank you for joining us here. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. That way you won't miss out on any of our upcoming topics or guest interviews. Give us a rating. Tell us the worst note you've ever gotten on your mm -hmm. writing. We'd like to know. You can email us with questions and topic suggestions at act2writers at gmail.com, which is all spelled out, or on our Instagram at act2writers. I am also on Instagram at Story Thursday or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. Yep. And I am on Instagram as Josh Hallman or Twitter as Joshua Hallman. And I feel like as the unofficial, maybe official hype man of <laughs> Act 2, let me just say Act 2 is more than a podcast. This is just the, this is the extension this is one thing, like you said, of Act 2, but Act 2 actually has a group of writers. It's full of resources. It's, it's an exclusive. It's like the fucking Kingsmen and Kingswomen, but for writers. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really bad at talking about or like promoting what Act 2 is, and that's it. That's exactly what we are. You nailed yeah. it. Kingsmen for writers. Yeah, we're the skulls that we're, everyone knows about. But yeah, you started it. It's awesome. And I feel like you need to scream it from a rooftop. That's how, that's how great it is. I'm really, I feel really uncomfortable and awkward now. <laughs> okay, great. So this week in writing, I'm energized. I'm pumped up today. I feel like we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. I have a, a homemade energy drink. I have a homemade focus drink that were made just for me. And I'm just but ready to go today. you're drinking simultaneously? Yeah, same time. This is going to be so great, guys. <laughs> I know. I know. I, yeah. Anyway, so before we dive into stuff, Tasha, we have a This Week in Writing. And I just want to go because there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of This Week in Writing stuff. This is, this is actually a follow-up to a This Week in Watching for the TV show, kind of pseudo show called Calls, which is on oh, Apple yeah. Plus. So I finally finished it. It only took like three months. It is nine episodes and about 15 to 20 minutes each. And it's basically a visual podcast, but I thought it was really interesting because it's a series of different calls and all this really weird shit is happening in each call. And they're sort of completely disconnected, but then they start connecting. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to explain and I don't wanna spoil anything, but it's just really wild. It gets really crazy. There's like, People are calling from the past. People are dying. You're, it, it's just, it's fucking nuts. Can I ask you something? Do you watch this in the background or do you like sit on the couch and watch it? Is it like a podcast where it sort of is just noise going on in the back? So I'm happy you asked, Tasha, <laughs> because I was going to bring that up. I watched it because there's a visual element to this show that really adds to the experience. And at one point I walked away while uh, I guess watching slash listening to one of the episodes and it didn't have the same effect. Huh. Like just listening to it wasn't the same. I needed the visual cues 
from calls, which is weird because it's just sound waves, but they do a really cool creative job with it. Yeah. It's interesting because like when you watch uh, sort of crime documentaries and they, they click to the 911 call, they always, that's where you typically see that trope of the sound waves, right? And it does yeah. add a certain intensity to what you're watching. So is that what you miss when you walk away? It just kind of sounds like people talking, but when you're watching, just the sound waves create the intensity that would otherwise be in a, you know, a visual show. Yeah, absolutely. And also your focus is there. It, you're not like, you know, when you're doing listening to a podcast, you're either driving, you're working out, you're taking a walk, you're not normally just sitting down, unless it's the act two podcast, your attention <laughs> isn't fully on a podcast. Right. So it was just something to think about from a writing point of view. Oh, but anyway, it was structured really interestingly, where it was like the night, it was nine episodes, the first three episodes definitely got you intrigued. And then the next three episodes were definitely, they like leveled up more crazy shit happened. And then it wrapped up in the final three. It was it was honestly like a three act structure. It's kind of an anthology series that ends up being all connected in the end. Yeah, that's right. Wow, that's very cool. It's fucking awesome. I have I have some other this week in writing and actually do, this do week more, please. I always love this week in writing. All right. So this week in writing. This is kind of this happened to me that I just remembered because we had been we, we talk often about pitching. Mm -hmm. And I had this one pitch a little while ago that you know about. And I, I went out of the pitch right when it finished. I thought I fucking crushed it. Yeah. And I didn't crush it. And I was really <laughs> confused. <laughs> How did you know you didn't crush it? It was because I had my Zoom in the background and I, and I was really focusing on the pitch itself, which was a script. Mm. And I went to the Zoom right when the pitch finished. And I basically was like, really feeling myself and I clicked yeah. the zoom and everyone had this deer in headlights look oh, like shit. the fuck <laughs> <laughs> so anyway I yeah. talked to them afterward and uh some of the people I pitched to and then I called the producer afterwards and I was like hey like what happened like can you just give me advice because I I thought I had this nailed the producer that you've been working with not the person you pitched to who was gonna correct. hire you yeah okay. correct sorry and the producer ends up saying to me, hey, you know, just maybe, and I've pitched with this producer before, by the way, but he said, you know, maybe next time just be a little more collaborative in some of their ideas. And I was mm -hmm. like, what? What are you talking about? Because I, I, I like to think of myself as very collaborative. Like, I yeah. love hearing ideas. Do you think I want to come up with this shit? I want people to tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and... uh and it just got me thinking about the fine line you have to walk when you're pitching and when executives give you ideas and whether they're good or bad and how you take them. And, you know, like if something, if you hear something you don't like, I, I feel like the standard response is, oh, that's interesting. I'll think about that. Mm -hmm. Can you be a little more specific about what he meant by that? Was there something that was said and you just completely dismissed it or? I didn't think I was dismissing anything, but apparently I was just really closed off to when when the executives were kind of coming back with their spitballs of maybe what could be different mm -hmm. apparently i was i was just kind of i was just not really excited about any of their ideas i was just like oh okay cool yeah 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 maybe maybe like one of mm -hmm. those whereas i guess i think normally i'm i'm i just roll with it and really just collaborate on ideas I think you were maybe still in shock that they just didn't buy it in the room because you were so thrilled by the pitch. That is probably the case. 
So you were in a deer head, you were a deer in headlights. I was, but anyway, the point being is like I, I feel like post pitching in that yeah. little that little window at when you're done, you just have to be really aware of that because you don't want to come off as someone who is maybe married to a very certain idea. You have to come off as open and yeah. uh, that you're you're willing to collaborate on ideas, which I am, by the way, just for the freaking record. I know it is very strange, but that is actually a really great idea. And I think the next episode we do in our pitching is terrible series can be about that little window after your pitch and what that looks like, all the different ways that it looks and how to deal with those kinds of questions, because yeah, there's a lot of different feedback you can get in that stage that's all very confusing. And I only just realized recently, very recently, that like when in early days, Tasha, when I would pitch and executives would tell me like what a great job I did, that the language they were using was actually saying the opposite. Yeah. And I didn't really realize that until I gained a lot more experience. And I was like, oh, they were actually putting me down, but I thought they were complimenting me. <laughs> so it's things like that that I think you're right. Like there's so much room to talk about how to handle that little bit. Those few couple five yeah. minutes that could break or break a <laughs> pitch situation. That windows is really important. All right, so my This Week in Writing is that I was talking to the director of one of my projects, and she knows her stuff, and it was interesting, it's always interesting to hear her talk about story and kind of analyze her process, and she was telling me about another project that she's working on where there was a scene where a character was talking, but seemingly without purpose. And when she asked the writers why this character was even in the scene, the writers said, because we need to feel for him because in a couple episodes from now, something emotional is going to happen to him. So we need to feel for him right now. And she was like, well, that's not a reason why this moment needs to happen and why he needs to be in the scene. It's not a good enough reason because that reason that, you know, something emotional will happen in a couple episodes exists outside of this current moment of the scene. So what is his reason for being in this scene right now? And I thought that was very interesting, just the way she articulated that, because it's true that the best directors really, I think, pay attention to this more than a lot of writers do, which is intention of a scene, right? What is the intention of the characters within a scene? If it's not advancing character and it's not advancing story, how do you direct that? For her, she was like, you gotta just take it out or you have to have a reason for it to be there. And I think we had something similar to this come up in Tomb Raider recently where there was this mythology rule that we were trying to iron out. And there was one option that we all thought about in the writer's room that was pretty fucking cool for a reason why this mythology could work. But at the end of the day, the only reason we thought about it was because it's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> but that reason, like could exist in any other show or movie. And the example I started thinking about was like, let's say the thing the hero needs to do in your action movie is defuse a bomb in order to save thousands of people. To me, that is a perfectly fine problem that the hero has to solve, right? There's no logic holes in the need to defuse a bomb. It's very simple. But that problem could exist in absolutely any other action movie ever, right? Defusing a bomb. So how do I make that danger matter specifically to this story that I'm telling. And more importantly, I think specific to this hero, which Josh, you and I talk about all the times, like how do you form your action scene, your action set piece around your specific hero? 
and then let's just say like let's make the hero a mother who used to be a cop she lost a child when she was very young maybe it was the mother's fault that the child died and so she's reacted to this by quitting her job closing herself off from the world refusing to help anyone and then the villain in your movie straps a bomb to a child and the child is the same age as the child she lost well okay now that bomb is not just a thing to defuse right it's a very real emotional connection to your specific hero where okay she couldn't save her child but now she can save this one so that kind of bomb no longer exists in another movie it's just in your movie so that to me was just a really interesting way to think about scenes and also like what makes your i guess every scene but every character moment every sort of action beat specific to the story you're telling so that's it that's this week in writing all right so today we are talking about I think one of the most talked about topics with, with screenwriters, between screenwriters, a topic that will definitely be an ongoing series for us here because it is such a big part of our jobs. And that is notes, the notes process. What are notes? What are bad notes? What to do with notes once you get them? And today we're going to start at ground zero of that process, which is just how to take notes as a screenwriter, just the basics. And this all started because Josh and I have been talking a long time about doing a series of episodes about notes. For instance, we will definitely have an episode where we take people's actual notes that they got from executives and talk about what the hell they mean, why they gave that note, the creative ways that the writers ended up addressing that note, just to kind of see what that looks like on paper. And I think it's been such this sort of overwhelming topic for us that neither of us could really figure out where to start. And then we started talking to our buddy <laughs> in writer's group, <laughs> Alex Sabetti, and he goes, oh, yeah, I have a thing about that. And he sent us this guide of do's and don'ts for screenwriters on how to take notes because he has, I guess, gone back to his alma mater a few times. He's talked to students about the business, and this was one of his topics, so he just kind of had something ready. But he sends it to us, and if you know Sabetti, <laughs> this makes perfect sense because it's not just called, like, oh, the do's and don'ts for taking notes. It's called what? The Note Taker's Ten Commandments. <laughs> Ten Commandments! <laughs> and then on top <laughs> is a quote from himself <laughs> <laughs> and it's so good because it's like in italics it's centered on the page <laughs> and then there's a whole alex abetti <laughs> for the record he is really great at giving notes he, he always comes even if the note's not right he always has a solution when when he had sent these to us we read them we're like these are freaking great man mm -hmm. but it's just if you know sabetti and you see a quote from <laughs> Sabetti, it, 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 it just makes you smile. And what's great is he also has a 10 commandments for the note giver as well. So for producers and executives to kind of abide by, which we will talk about in another episode. So subscribe so you don't miss out on that one. But I think that one's yeah. going to be also really interesting and also very helpful to writers. But today we're going to talk about how to take notes as a screenwriter, how to receive notes. Yeah. I think the reason why Josh and I really responded to just seeing these 10 commandments on a page is because it really does a good job at just summing up and getting to the point of exactly what you need 
to know as a screenwriter going into a note session and how you should prepare yourself. And that's why I feel like we're going to stick with this 10 commandments idea because mm -hmm. it is a really fantastic list of do's and don'ts as much as we give him shit about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right. Let's do it. Number one, set your expectations. What does that mean? I feel like I, Josh, just submitted my script to you, Tasha, and I'm going to get notes from you. I think I know who you are as a person. I know you're going to ask me about theme and character. <laughs> so I'm setting my expectations of what to expect from you. Mm. I feel like your expectations are from the people you're getting notes from. So if you're, if you're asking your mom and dad for notes, you're probably going to get some positive reinforcement, a little, nice little pat on the back from mom. Yeah, I think set your expectations is about mentally preparing yourself for the notes you're about to get. It's knowing, A, the kind of person you are submitting to. So is it another writer you're submitting to who maybe doesn't have a lot of experience? So just come with it, understanding what those expectations are that you're asking of them. Or if it's someone who has a ton of experience, what are those expectations? If it's a producer versus a studio, like those kinds of expectations. But I think really what number one does for me is it it speaks to the mind space that you have to mm -hmm. put yourself in before you go into any notes meeting whatsoever. And it's number one, because that's the thing you have to do first. And I would actually ask you, Josh, do you have any sort of routines that you do mental or otherwise before you go into notes session? Or do you just go into a notes session? I just go in. I, I don't know what to expect anymore. Do you feel like, oh, it's going to be great or, oh, it's going to be terrible? Do you set yourself up for any of those to happen? It's hard not to set yourself up for, oh, they're going to love this because you spend so much time and you think about so much. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I always try to catch myself, though, because, you know, if you go in with your expectations too high, you're going to get hit down to the ground. It just happens 100% yeah. of the time. It feels like, actually, that's not true. I like... For instance, I was just before this started, I was expecting notes back on a draft that I just sent in. And I, I got a positive email like, oh, hey, we like this. And I was like, like, yeah, it wasn't just we like it. It was like, we have no notes. We're sending it onward and it's great. So yeah, my expectations were set very in a different <laughs> spot. So I, I'm happy about it. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Yeah. So number one, set your expectations. Just m mentally prepare yourself for what's about to happen however you need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say that I think too, if, if you are submitting it to other writers, say your peer group or your writer's group, and you have people in your writer's group who might be really good at one thing. For me, it's like, I always, as you say, Josh, hone in on theme or character arcs. And that's going to be sort of where I, for the most part, spend a lot of my, my time noting. But you might know, have someone else who's really great at set pieces and notes them to death. So just kind of knowing that certain people might be good at certain note note giving yeah while others might be weaker and this this applies to producers as well right if you know your producer well enough and you know the kind of notes that they're going to give back to you don't expect them to give you what they're not going to give you and an example for that might be you have a producer who is really good at structure but really not good at character yeah. arcs character moments the quiet moments in your script do not expect to get that from them 
take the notes for what they are and go to maybe someone else for those other things. Um, just know that you're not gonna get that from them. It's like in a relationship. Yeah, and I, I guess just to circle back to the, the to setting your expectations, I feel like when you submit your script to someone, depending on the relationship, if you're just getting note, uh, notes from writers and friends, you have to also define your expectations from the, the script. If you're saying, hey, I, I need help in the third act. That's one thing, you know, you have to kind of come in and, and guide the reader, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. If it's not my first draft, if it's I'm several drafts in and I send it to a writer's group, I will definitely be like, hey guys, I will take any notes, of course, that you have, but I'm really struggling with yeah. this second act bit and my character making sense. Can you please help me with that? So yeah, set those expectations that way as well. Boom. Number two. Don't expect praise, but do enjoy it if you get it. Yeah, I, I like this one because I, I have worked with several producers who I've known very well. We were kind of friends and they will kind of say, so look, because we know each other, I'm not going to be polite. I'm just going to go. OK, or, yeah. hey, you already know I'm, you, I think you're a good writer and I love you. So I'm just not going to bother, you know, self-editing myself. I'm just going to tell you how it is. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, hit me. Just give me the bullet. I don't <laughs> care. Why? Why? Like, well, yeah, I don't need sugarcoating. And then they give me their unfiltered, unsugar-coated notes, and I want to die. <laughs> yeah. like, can I go back and change my mind? Is it too late? So, yeah, yeah I think praise is like, it's like frosting on a cake. It's don't <laughs> expect, don't, it's not what you're here for. <laughs> yeah, I, like I said, I always kind of go in with the low expectations. I don't really expect too much praise. And even when I get notes from you, I'm like, I don't care what works. Just fucking tell me what doesn't work. Everything else is fine. So maybe I do expect praise. Maybe I'm just like, like in my pitch, I'm like, yeah, this is working clearly if they didn't give me a note on it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think number two is, is really great because it, it's part of, I think, setting your expectations, right? Don't yeah, expect totally. to go in there being told that everything is amazing. Uh, if anything, go in. Oh, and maybe a little bit of the opposite so that you're prepared because it does feel like such a blow when you actually do get notes, regardless of how much they praise you up front. I think that, you know, like that's just how our brains work. Wow. Number three. Don't get defensive. Just move on. This is huge. This is it's really huge. important. <laughs> in some ways, this is number one in terms of its importance. <laughs> yeah. So listen, we've all been defensive. We've all argued with someone, I'm sure at some point, usually early on when you submit a script, like if you're a new writer and you're submitting someone a script and you just say, you can't get defensive. No. You have to bite your tongue and move on. Yeah. We actually have this kind of unspoken rule in our writers group and it's something they teach you actually in creative writing classes when you go to college and all of that, where if you're the writer who's submitting, you don't say anything. You don't say anything. You get your notes, you write them down, and at the end, you can talk about them and it can be a conversation where you're asking follow-up questions, but you are not talking through the note session. And the reason for that is exactly because of number three about don't get defensive, just move on. Because if Josh gives me a note that my character's actions in this scene don't make any sense, I could easily be like, well, they do make sense and here, here's why, because I wrote this scene and I know it makes sense. And you'll be like, okay, I hear you, but mm -hmm. I'm telling you that my feeling when I read this is that it doesn't make sense. And I can go back to you and be like, well, here, here, and here in this exact scene is why it makes sense. And again, your response will be, 
okay, I get what you're saying, but I'm telling you it doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah. as I read it. And that's just the, his note. That's his note. That scene does not work for him. And I just have to take that and move on. And I can explain it till my face is blue, but that's not going to change the fact that he has this note. And so that's why that kind of unspoken rule of not speaking when you're getting notes for your, your piece is becomes really important. And it helps train you, I think, to not get defensive as you're hearing these notes. It's just absorbing them and taking them in. Yeah, and we all know people like that, and we've probably been that person at one point. I know someone currently who does that often, and I don't like yeah. giving them notes. I, I, I've done, I go down this road all the time, and it's really hard to tell this person something and just be like, okay, like this is my note. I'm sorry yeah. we disagree. <laughs> I'm talking about you, by the way, so let's move on. <laughs> just, yeah, that, man, that person's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking can't stand Tasha. Yeah, d don't get defensive. That's that's just uh, that's the number one thing. Please don't do that. I th I think just professionally speaking, too. As soon as you get defensive in any notes meeting, that's that's yeah. that's a real red flag for the producer or the studio who is working with you. Yeah, you have to yeah, you have to be very delicate with that because you will get a very bad reputation if you're the defensive writer. Yeah, I've definitely heard of a lot of producers telling me of writers who are defensive and they choose not to work with them ever again. For sure. Because life's too short to work with someone who's defending every single note that you're trying to give them. But there is a way to approach this issue, which is yeah. what number four is about. You can explain, but never argue. So in the example I gave before of Josh <laughs> not thinking my character is making any sense in the scene that I wrote. Now... Me, of course, being meticulous writer that I am, mm -hmm. I wrote that scene in a very particular way. So when he says, it's confusing, I don't get why your character is doing that, I'm going to get upset. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm going to feel personally attacked. But instead of being defensive and telling him he's fucking stupid, what I'm going to do is say, okay, can you, can you tell me like, why you feel that way? Because um, this is what I was intending to do. Yeah. And when I say this is what I was intending to do, then that opens up the conversation for him to be like, oh, that's interesting that you're intending to do that. That's not what I got, and this is why. So I can explain that here was my intention with the scene, and then I have to still hear the note, because the note still exists, that it's confusing. Yeah. Be constructive. I, I, I just thought of something. I, as you were explaining that, <laughs> I was thinking about all the times if I have seen you mad receiving notes. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like last time I really got mad this last session. Really? Oh no, you couldn't tell. <laughs> oh damn. I was just gonna say, just because I know you, I can tell when you're getting like kind of worked up about stuff. I was getting mad last session. I was like, this is a great script. I wasn't giving you any notes. I, I still don't know what's going on. I don't think I've really ever seen you overly defensive. But I can tell I've seen you get worked up and start questioning when people are giving you bad notes. It's amazing. <laughs> I just tune out. You you go for it. <laughs> it's scary. It's still not defensive though. Would you no, call it's it not, defensive? No, it's not. Def no, no, no. It's you. You start challenging. I've only yeah. seen this a few times. I and I. I just. I, I've seen it only, and this is out of many years of knowing you, where you're like. Explain that, you know, and it's putting the note giver, in the spotlight, which is which is what you have to do. Yeah. Well, that's actually a perfect segue to number five. But before we go there, just to kind of explain what 
the differences between explaining yourself and being defensive because I think that's the line that's actually very important. Yeah. Is that you can explain yourself once, say, you know, for per note, right? Josh gives me the note that the scene is confusing. I can explain myself once, but if I continue to push my explanation, that's being defensive. If I simply say, this was my intention, he gives me the note and we move on, that's my explanation. And the purpose of explaining versus being defensive is that when you're trying to explain your note to someone who's giving you a note, what you're doing is trying to get closer to what their note actually is. So it's an investigative search for you. It's not you being like, well, you're fucking wrong. And here, let me explain <laughs> to you why that's defensive, right? <laughs> Explaining is more like, yeah, well, that's interesting. You, you felt that way. This is actually what I wanted you to feel. Let me explain that to you so that we can talk about it. And I hope that makes sense without a specific example. Yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, I, I definitely think it makes sense. And you, and just to reiterate, I haven't seen you in that defense mode where you're <laughs> over-explaining, over-explaining, over-explaining. Yeah. I just want to clarify that so you don't come at me with some really dark notes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like the, the way you can tell last time that I was not happy was I was just completely silent. And then I was like grabbing my face because I was just like, fuck <laughs> i think that's what i was doing too because i gave you before i was like this is great this is a great script and then a bunch yeah, of notes let's just paint this picture for a second joss <laughs> preps me for writer's group saying like this is the most amazing script i have no notes it's so fantastic we get into group and like no one says it's good they just launch into a litany of so many notes and i felt like he gaslighted me i, I stand by it everyone's wrong <laughs> everyone moving on all right, number five, don't be afraid to ask questions. I really, I firmly believe in challenging someone in a polite way, not in an aggressive way, but challenging someone to find out where the note is coming from. And by the way, if you do that, you're going to help that person yes. be a better note giver. Yes. Whether it be a friend or a produ producer or a manager or whoever. This is what I think you've seen me do because I do do this a lot and i think the important thing here to remember is that if you don't understand a note it's absolutely not rude to ask for more information an example that comes up a lot for me right now just because i'm in a writer's room is that basically the entire room of writers is giving you notes right because in my case we're working off of a bible that i have written so this is my idea it's my baby i've thought more about this story than anyone on the planet and here they are every day breaking each episode and they're telling me why <laughs> yeah. something that I have in my Bible isn't working. And I'm very lucky because the writers that I have are amazing and they are very constructive about how they do that. But essentially, you're really just getting notes every day and using those notes to, of course, transform each episode from the Bible into something that's specific and amazing. And the point I'm trying to make is that just like you have to be with a producer who's giving you notes in a writer's room, you also have to be like, okay, I hear you that you're bumping on this story point, but you have to tell me why, because the mm -hmm. why is what helps me as a writer. 
And I think what's so amazing about asking that question to a producer, to another writer, whoever is giving you notes, is that now it becomes a conversation, right? Where now you're getting closer at what the truth of the note is. Because it's not like, hey, I think your character should not go to Mars. <laughs> I think you should take that out. The whole second half of your episode, take it out. They should not go to Mars. Well, really, if you are like, well, that's interesting. Why do you think they shouldn't go to Mars? And then that forces them to think, why don't I want them to go to Mars? Because they might just write in your notes document, I don't think they should go to Mars, take it out. And that's not really a note, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like if that's half of your screenplay, that's not a note. So you have to say, okay, well, why do you think they shouldn't go to Mars? And then once you ask them, it will force them to articulate that actually what I'm bumping on is not that she goes to Mars. That's pretty fucking cool. We go to Mars. What I'm bumping on is I don't buy that the spaceship she makes in her backyard with plywood and batteries is going to take her to Mars. It's like, oh, okay, that's a note <laughs> I can address. <laughs> like you don't buy how she gets there, but you wouldn't have been able to get that answer from the note giver if you were afraid to ask a follow-up question about why they didn't like Mars. Well said. All right. So that, I mean, that's, I think such an important thing, and that's what I do in writer's group. If someone asks a question, A, I know that their question is coming from a note, that, that it's a, there's a real note in there somewhere. I'm just not understanding why they're bumping. And I want to understand because I want to fix the problem. And so when I challenge someone, I'm not doing it out of defense, and I'm not doing it <laughs> in any kind of mean way. It's really just okay, that's interesting, please explain to me more, because the more information I have, the better I can solve the problem. Yeah, you're helping yourself. Yeah. So this next commandment, number six, is one of my favorite. It's just one person's opinion. Unless you get the same note, then it's fact. Why do you love this one so much? I think it's really helpful when you get the same note from different people because you know that is a glaring problem in your script. If multiple people are giving you the same thing over and over and over, you're like, I have to change that. However, if you get a bunch of random notes, sometimes it's hard to separate what is coming from someone's personality, mm -hmm. what uh, maybe someone misread something. It, it, it's just, I, I just like when there's some overlap. Yeah, I totally agree. There's something I read recently for a writer friend of mine and... It was interesting because he gave it to a bunch of different people to read and they all came back with the same note, which was that they had a problem with act one. And mm -hmm. what was interesting is he said everyone had a different solution of how to fix it or a different reason they didn't like it. But the commonality among everyone was that they weren't responding to act one. It was it was the only problematic place they seemed to be focusing on with their notes. Mm -hmm. And so that told him. There's definitely a problem in act one. Everyone has a different solution for what it is. And so the questions he was asking me was trying to get closer at what my specific problem was, not what my solve was, not what my note was, but underneath it, what was the thing I was bumping on in act one? Because it doesn't help to have 50 different people giving you a different solution for fixing your act one. What helps yeah. is understanding what is bumping them in act one. And so those were all what his questions were pointed to. Again, he wasn't asking me for solutions. He was asking me for what my problem was, which I thought was really interesting and is an indicator of someone who's a very good note taker. Yeah. I just went through this with the script that I was working on where uh, my manager ascends to what is called the circle of trust within mm. uh, his company. 
And it's great when you can identify the problem. And when you get a group of people, you can identify it pretty fucking quickly. Yeah. There's some sort of follow-up commandments to this commandment, actually. Mm -hmm. Because this idea, I think, is very important. But the yeah. fact that it, it is, number six is so basic that it's just one person's opinion, unless you're getting the same note, then it's fact. I think it is important. And, and do pay attention to that, because I would say that this happens literally every time I write something, where you give yeah. it to your network, your studio, your writer's group, and you deal with the fact that everyone is noting the same thing in different ways, but they're still having that same problem. And it just happens so often that no wonder it's a commandment, I guess, is all I'm saying. Yeah. Number seven? Let's do it. Number okay. seven. Number seven, take the notes that work for you, put the rest in a drawer. So here's what I think this means. Yeah. Take a look at your notes after you get them. If something resonates, then you keep that. If something doesn't really make sense, you don't just delete it and throw it away. You just kind of put it off to the side because maybe it might make sense in a couple weeks or a month or whenever. And it's always good to look back at things because maybe there's a note that is touching on something you didn't see at this given moment, but maybe yeah. you will in a couple weeks. Yep, absolutely. For me, it's interesting I don't totally do this commandment, but I kind of do this commandment. Yeah, me Like too. if I, if I'm in writer's group, I will not write down every single note that I get. Like ones that are so clearly in left field, I will not write down. But I will write down notes that I don't necessarily agree with. And I think that's really what this commandment is getting at. That even mm. if in the moment you think they're full of shit and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, Mm -hmm. Write the note down anyways. For instance, if someone on page five of my script is like, look, your main character should be an alien from Jupiter mm -hmm. rather than a woman from Queens. And at first, I'd probably ask the note giver to explain themselves. <laughs> Why do you feel that way? But I'd write that note that there's a moment on page five where the hero feels more like they should be an alien than a human so take yeah. a look at this page what is giving off this feeling to the person giving me notes and i think that's really what the heart of this is trying to say yeah i think so i think too it holds when you're getting notes professionally from a producer or a studio what they'll do is they'll you know just send you a notes document usually and i think when that happens to me i'll go through the list I will go down each note and I will just make sure that if I'm not taking the note, I know why I'm not taking it. And it's not just because I don't like the note, the note's stupid. There has to be a concrete reason behind why I am not answering the note that is important to the story or important to my character or my vision of the show or whatever it is. And then if in the next pass of that script, I still get that same note, then I really look at it. Okay, yeah. but I think the point is you have to look at even the notes that are bad. There's something going on there that you have to understand. Yeah, as you're like, God, notes are so tough. Well, also as a note taker, as a as a writer, there is a wrong or right way to take these notes, right? In, in terms of of being a professional in in the business, and yeah. I've definitely heard of producers saying that they would give a note to a writer, and the writer would be like, Oh, I don't know why I did that. Or, yeah. yeah, I didn't address that note because I just didn't agree with it. And 
as a producer, you're like, oh, so you're not a good writer is, is right. their response, right? Or you're not a professional and it makes them not want to work with you. So yeah, take down the bad notes, make sure you write them down and just have them there, just hanging out just in case. Yeah, I like when notes challenge you too because sometimes these notes that seem completely out of left field and you're like, I would never do this. It actually forces you to kind of think about your story and what you're trying to say and going back to what your themes are and what the character arcs are because sometimes yeah. you don't have that figured out even though you think you have them figured out. Yeah, yeah, if someone reads your script and thinks your character is an alien and you absolutely did not intend that, there is something weird going on with your script <laughs> yeah. that is making them feel that way. It's not just out of left field. So yeah, I agree. Commandment number eight, every note has a note behind it. So figure it out. All right, so listen, <laughs> I don't know when this happened. One time you're like, well, what's the note behind the note? And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I guess everyone knows about it. Like I, I, I've saw it on like screenwriting Twitter. It was yeah. kind of talked about like the infamous note behind the note. Just want to, just what does it mean, Tasha? But at the just, time, it was new and no one had, no one had I, ever I said it I feel like before. it was. Who coined <laughs> this thing? I thought it, I thought it was you. <laughs> I mean, this, this is the heart of it. If you walk away with nothing else, I feel like walk away with this one. And then maybe also the don't be defensive one. These two, <laughs> these two are the core of what it is to be a professional screenwriter and to take notes. There's always a note behind the note, right? And... I'm gonna give an example that's specific to kind of help illustrate this idea. All right, so I once got a note where the producers were like, look, I don't think your hero should be a super genius tech guru. Instead, can he just be a guy who's like kind of good at building computers? And I was like, wait, what? Like you want my Batman hero person to just be like kind of good at building computers? because that went so against what I was going for with this hero. And I asked the producers to elaborate on why they felt that way. And it turns out their problem wasn't actually that my hero was a genius. Their problem was that they didn't buy that my hero being a genius wouldn't just completely overcome every single obstacle that the villain threw at him because he was such a genius. Mm. So their solution to the problem in the notes was make him just kind of good at building computers and not so smart. But because I knew as part of my vision for what this story should be, that I wanted my hero to be a genius and that was integral to his character. Well, now that I had their real problem, I could figure out a better solution. And in this case, the better solution was to just make those obstacles much harder for my hero. So the problem wasn't actually my hero at all. It's just how they interpreted the problem. The real yeah. problem was that my obstacles were too easy. And so it made it seem like my genius hero was just overcoming these things too easily. And I think that's just one example of where you really do need to ask more questions. You really do need to kind of explain and have those conversations on certain things when you really need to. And I think a polite way to ask is just to be like, oh, that's a really interesting thought. Can you explain just a little bit more about why you feel he should be good at computers? And I think once you're able to understand that even the worst note you get has a note behind it that can really help you and make your script better, that's gonna take you really, really far. And 
That's not to say <laughs> that literally every single single note you get is one you should address. I'm, I'm not saying that at all, yeah. but I am saying that every note someone gives you is a genuine place that they're bumping. And maybe it's okay they're bumping. Maybe it's okay they have a question in this particular part of your story, but just know that they're having a question there. Yeah. Yeah, this commandment is my jam. I could talk about no, it for is, an hour. We do, and I, I, I'm to the point now where when I get a note, I my first thought is, okay, well, what's the note behind the note? Mm -hmm. And I, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But you know, sometimes you sometimes you get those crystal clear notes that you know, okay, here's a great note, here's the solution to it. And then other times you you get something that's kind of broad, and you're yeah. like, okay, well, where's this coming from? How do I address this? What does this person mean? And I have found, at least with a lot of producers, they'll give you the note. And they rightfully just want you to solve it. They want you to figure it out where you feel like you've already figured it out. And they're like, hey, this uh, relationship doesn't work. And you're like, well, fuck you. I disagree. <laughs> and also, by the way, you could be like, well, why do you think it's not working? And they're like, I don't know. It's just not working. I don't really like it. Yeah. You're like, fuck. Okay, well, that's a terrible <laughs> note, first of all. But second of all, let me try and see what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. No, this, this is really important. The note behind the note. The note behind the note. And I think all these other commandments help support this commandment. I think, you know, yeah. asking questions and, you know, not being defensive. All of those things are really gearing you towards learning how to take the note behind the note or find it. I think, you know, Betty's big thing on this commandment is that uh, taking notes is more like archaeology mm -hmm. than science, I think is his quote. To quote Sabetti. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think if you think of it that way, you will react less offensively and upset and emotionally when you get these notes because you will understand, okay, if I just take a step back, there's something here that I need to think about and address. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think part of what we'll be doing in this series of talking about notes is coming with some really great examples of this in practice of where we or other writers that we know have gotten a note that's just so wildly ridiculous or just so kind of offensive to you as a writer because you worked so hard on something and they're like scrap the entire second act it's stupid and you're like whoa yeah. wait a second and then go through this process of archaeology with that note and think about okay well what's the note behind the note and just doing that work sort of on the podcast i think can really help people understand how that brain process even works because it is it's a whole other skill by the way it's a whole other skill and you talk to producers and they'll they'll tell you about writers that are really great at taking notes and writers they really want to work with because they're so good at interpreting notes revising based on notes documents and all of that stuff they're they're, they're the writers they love and then they have other writers who like don't know how to take notes or don't know how to solve things very well and they could be a fantastic writer but they're just missing this one particular skill so it is a very important thing for us to keep talking about yeah totally number nine they just don't get it is a cop-out so i have a story about this oh i can't wait okay um <laughs> there was this writer that i was trying to help on twitter once and I'd never met her, but we started talking on Twitter, which I never do. Um, but she said she kept having just a lot of problems with people who were not understanding her work. And as a writer, I very much allow for that as a real possibility, right? Because sometimes people just don't get your genius. 
So like that pitch you did. Um, so I just kind of yeah. asked her to tell me a little bit more about the notes that she was getting back. And she started to tell me how all the notes she was getting were about the same thing, that this one part was confusing. And I was like, oh, well, looking back at the previous commandment here, if everyone is giving you that note, they're probably right. There's probably yeah. something in there for you to fix that they are confused about because you are not conveying yourself in the cleanest way possible. And she was like, no, nope, they're just dumb. She literally mm -hmm. said that. And I was like, all right, then I can't help you. Like there's a very figurative, but kind of real brick wall here that you are running up against. And I can't help you pass that if you're not willing to see that there's another solution here, then they are dumb and that's it. Because look, as a professional screenwriter, you do have a problem that everyone who reads your script is telling you exists and you're not looking at it. So you're not selling it. And then you just become angry that they're not buying it, but they're not buying it because there's something that they have a bump on and you need to give a shit about that. And you may not be addressing it the way that they are telling you to address it, but there's something there. And yeah. I think the thing is with writers is that we feel like we're smarter than all the execs who are reading it. Right. And, <laughs> but I think your intelligence has no bearing on whether you are right or wrong on a note. The fact still remains that people are not buying your script for all the same reasons. That one section is confusing. <laughs> and I think mm -hmm. where your screenwriter brain kind of needs to come in is to look at that problem that everyone is having and say, okay, they're bumping here. Why are they bumping? How can I do better without sacrificing my vision and my story? Because that's the thing that I think she was really threatened by was that yeah. this note she kept getting was threatening what she felt was really special about her script. And I think that's probably true. But the hard lesson, and I think the hard writing that we have to do sometimes is finding a way to be really smart and like really find a way to maintain our special unique voice and vision while also making it less confusing, while also addressing notes from, from buyers. That's ultimately what our job is, is to figure out that solution. Totally. Yeah, I think we've, I mean, definitely everyone's been down the they just don't get it road. Yeah. I'm going to give you a little story. Yay! It'll be quick. I was starting to write something. I had had a conversation with my manager, Jay-Z, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I want to kind of switch things up, blah, 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 blah. And Jay-Z was like, why don't you write a passion project? And I was like, cool. And he was totally open to it. Mm -hmm. So I, as we work, I send, you know, I make an outline, I send it to him. And so I write this outline, I send it to him. And he kind of came back with notes. And he did come back with notes. He's like, this isn't working. This isn't working. You know, there was like a mother. There was a son. There was kind of like this family element to it. And I get the notes and I, and I just, I was like, man, I, I don't know if he, like my, by my brain went to, I don't know if he understands what I'm trying to do here. But mm -hmm. then I was like, okay, it must be me. It must be me. So I, I do another pass on the outline and I send it to him. And again, he was coming back with these notes that, were just hitting me in this really weird way where I was like, no, 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 this is a passion project. This is like how it happened. And this is why it's going to be this way in the script. And I got, I, I guess I got internally defensive. I didn't get outwardly defensive. So I took the call, we, we finished up and I was kind of stewing because I got these notes and I was thinking, I was like, man, it's not that he doesn't get it. It's something that he doesn't get what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. But then I realized that it was a passion project. 
And this was something that I don't even know if I could ever get notes on because I'm so, it's still raw. I was still very close to it. Mm. And I had to call him and say like, hey man, I had to explain that to him. Like, this is too close to me. I can't write this passion project. I need to like mentally heal before Mm. I can even revisit this whole thing because I was going down that road. And this is all to say, I think the, you know, they just don't get it thing really happens often when you go down like a very personal path in your screenplays. Yeah. If it's like an action comedy where people are just diving off of cranes into the ocean and like blowing up a shark, that's like, okay, let's just make a different set piece. But when right. you're when you're like pulling apart that nerve that you're like trying to explain this 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 part of you, you get defensive. That's really interesting. It's it's bringing me to a time when that happened to me recently where I had a pilot script that I ended up in development hell with for five years <laughs> I was working oh, on this script. And the, the big note I kept getting on one particular character was that she's not active enough. And this was my main character. So that's, you know, we talk about that a lot, that your main character has to be active. They have to be driving the story forward. And the note I kept getting was that she's not active. And that kept bothering me so much. I was like, you just don't get it she is active just in a subtle way (laughs) and that's the point of her character and you don't understand that and that's on you and i just kept ignoring the note and kept ignoring the note and i'd fix everything else and everything else was getting better but that note kept staying and for a while the producer respected me and was like all right i mean if that's your thing fine but then eventually became too much like she was like i'm sorry at the end of the day this character is not working because she's not active and so because I kept getting this note over the course of five years, I sat down and really tried to think about what the hell she was talking about and where could my vision for this kind of Clint Eastwood-like character who's, you know, sort of the lone wolf and is kind of only driven to action by outside forces. Like, how how do I make that character the hero that I imagine her to be? And I think that was where it clicked for me was from like, you don't get it to, oh, I know how to fix it, was what I what I envision for this character that's so amazing and that I have fallen in love with and is my passion project because of this is not coming through. And I need to fix that because it's not, it's not that I have to fix my passion thing. It's not that I have to fix this character and make her super active like the note was. It was, I have to just convey to them how fucking cool this woman is. And then I could do that. Yeah. Like, it was still really hard, but it was a way kind of for me to understand that it's not a cop out, that if they don't, it's not that they don't just get it. It's how to convey myself better. And I think ultimately that made me such a stronger writer because it forced me to A, still sit with what my vision was, but find a really interesting sort of productive commercial way of conveying my vision. If that made any sense. It did. It made perfect sense. It's hard. It's dressing notes is so hard. (laughs) Yeah, it is. This is great. It's taking us right into the final uh, commandment number 10. After you get notes, take a break to process. Do you want to read Sabetti's version of the 10th <laughs> commandment? Yeah, so Sabetti has an alternate version to the 10th commandment called Revisions are a dish best cooked cold. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear Sabetti saying it. Me um, too. So happy with himself. Yeah, no, you uh, definitely need to take a minute to process after you get notes. 
very important. Even sometimes, even if they're they're not even big notes, I feel like you need to process. Hundred percent. This just happened to me the other day, and when I got these notes back, which weren't that big at all, like I was in a, like a tailspin. I was like, okay, I don't know how to approach this. I don't know how to handle this. I'm just too into this. I'm lost. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been a you know three or four days since I've received the note. And now I'm I'm feeling better. I'm like, oh, okay, I know how to tackle this. I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, you can crush it now, whereas before it crushed you. <laughs> so true. Actually, can so you t- like, can you remember the worst tailspin you've had after receiving notes? What happened to you, or how like what your breakdown looked like? As it turns out, I am on a project currently that I've been on for about a year and a half, maybe even a little longer. I'll have to double check. And I just feel like there's an accumulation of notes that I get put into a tailspin now because I, I've i done so many different drafts and revisions and takes, and I've molded it in so many different ways that even now I, I get put in a tailspin. So I, I can't really answer that, but just to say that I'm in a tailspin right now. You're looking at me in a tailspin. What does it look like? What happens? Do you cry? Do you go on a walk, an angry walk? Do you like get mad at your loved ones? What does it look like for you? I just pace around, procrastinate. I do take a walk. And then I just stew for like hours, days even. Try to figure out what's wrong. And then it, little by little, it starts ticking away, chiseling mm-hmm. off. Like I, I can feel the, the weight is coming off of my shoulders. I'm, and it, it just t- it takes a while, though. Like a couple days. What do you sometimes. do? Yeah. What is what does yeah. Tasha do in a, a tailspin? It's not pretty. Uh, the sort of <laughs> the worst was I beat the shit out of someone. <laughs> yeah. I put on a mask, so I'm like a masked vigilante and just go kick some ass. No. Um you know Lilo and Stitch where Lilo just lays on the ground <laughs> just listens to music and talks about wanting to die. That's what happens to me. Literally, I will sometimes just go jump on a bed and just like lay there, just wallowing in how stupid I am, or I will lay on the ground in a fetal position. Most recently, it was this last year, I got some notes and I just felt so terrible about them. I just felt like I'm stupid and why am I writing for a living? This is ridiculous. I should not be doing this. And I just went out into the living room and laid down (laughs) <laughs> my boyfriend was like can i do anything for you i was like nope just leave me here he just walks over you i'll figure it out <laughs> just leave me and then eventually you know i got up and went around my day but i did not go back to the notes because you do not do that you, you gotta if if you are upset with the notes you can't go to the notes because it'll only make you more upset and you will not yeah. be able to address them you have to take you have to take time and you have to go back to step number one which is set your expectations, set your mental space before you dive into it. That would have been a perfect way to just like wrap everything up. But I have one more thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) What you said was great, but one more thing. Always have to have the last word. Yeah, definitely. I don't know about you, but I, I find it very difficult when you don't have people, for instance, Nicole, my wife, doesn't know like how invested I, like where my brain is with my current script. So sometimes I try to explain things to her and that like that phase you were just talking about when you lay down and mm-hmm. she's like, what's wrong? Do you want to talk it out? And then I'm just like 
trying to talk out plot points and she, it's like speaking a different language you know? yeah she's like um okay so is this the script about the you know person who breaks into this house and i'm like just like fuck me oh, bless like, her heart I'm done She's trying. just let me just let me be depressed <laughs> that's part of it too sometimes i because i do this so much to, to paul i'll go in and i'll just be like oh and then they said this and they said this but like that's so dumb right like obviously i'm doing this job right and blah blah blah, blah. and he'll just, just be, uh-huh, uh-huh and you can just tell on his face that he's like trying to be supportive but also that this doesn't matter <laughs> like like the world is not gonna end the way i'm conveying it will end yeah and that look does sometimes help it's like okay yeah i gotta take a step back and the world is not over and i am not a terrible human these are just notes they're just notes <laughs> yeah make or break your life but they're just notes yeah that's it oh, man i'm exhausted talking about that notes are hard yeah should we do the recap let's recap all 10. let's do it should i do well, it yeah, by it? we, I mean, go for, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's recap all 10 commandments. First, set your expectations. Number two, don't expect praise, but do enjoy it if you get it. It's a rare thing. Treasure mm -hmm. it. Number three, don't get defensive. Just move on. Number four, you can explain, but never argue. Number five, don't be afraid to ask questions. Number six, it's just one person's opinion. Unless you get the same note, then it's fact. Number seven, take the notes that work for you, but put the rest in your drawer. Number eight, every note has a note behind it, so figure it out. Number nine, they just don't get it is a cop-out. And finally, number 10, after you get notes, take a break to process or revisions or a dish best cooked cold. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right, so coming up, we are going to do this all again, but with the 10 commandments for the note giver, which as I said, as a screenwriter, that's also going to be really, really helpful. It's really nice to see just what the other side of the table looks like, what to expect from the person who's giving you notes. So look forward to that. And also I'm really looking forward to getting into specific notes that people have and how they've addressed it. Yeah. All right. Quote of the day. Are you ready? Uh, I'm so ready. <laughs> no one likes getting notes, but you can't write a great script without them. Alex Sabetti. Sabetti. <laughs> <laughs> Quoting himself. Beautiful. All right. So please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And me, Josh Hallman, on Instagram or Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.